Our second scripture reading today comes to us from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 10, verses 1 through 11. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them ahead of him in pairs to every town to go. He said to them, the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out the laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town that do not welcome you, go out into the streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet We wipe in protest against you. You know this. The kingdom of God has come near. This ends the reading of God's holy word. May God add many blessings to the hearing of it. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let us pray. Our gracious and loving God, we come into your house and gathered in your name to worship you. Enable us to hear your call in our lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts here together be found pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Our Lord, our Rock, our Redeemer. Amen. I love Jesus. I hope this is never questioned. I hope you never have doubts about this. I hope you love Jesus as well. But you know what? I do not know what I would do if Jesus walked through these doors right now. Think about it for a second. What would you do if Jesus just walked in? I know what I wouldn't do. I wouldn't say, Jesus, will you be in charge of rounding up volunteers for us? Will you find us a children, youth, and family chair? Will you find us a Christian spiritual ministry chair? Will you find volunteers for art and music camp, for buoy fest, for the SMA walk? Because I think Jesus is a terrible recruiter. Here he has the 70 disciples before him, and he decides to send them out into the ministry field. So he sends them out two by two. And he says such encouraging words like, I'm sending you like sheep to the wolves. (laughs) Sign me up. Don't take anything with you. Don't take bags. Don't take purses. Don't take sandals. And when you come to a town, eat what they give to you and give them peace. And if they take it, great. If not, go out in the middle of the town and say, not even your dust is worthy to cling to my feet because I'm Mr. Popular. It's a terrible recruitment speech. But Jesus sends the 70 out. He sends them out two by two. 
And I've often wondered why it is two by two that he sends them out. Why does he send them out in pairs? They'd be so much more effective if they sent them out individually. They could go to 70 towns instead of 35 towns. But he starts in pairs. The Broadway show, The Book of Mormon, opens in a Mormon school where they learn how to be ministers and missionaries. And it focuses on all these young men growing up about to go in the mission field and on two particular men. Kevin Price, who is charismatic, who is handsome, who is knowledgeable, who is the star pupil. And then Arnold Cunningham, who is the opposite of that. He's awkward. He's goofy. He doesn't really know what's going on. He's hoping just to pass the class. And then they're paired together. And Arthur is so excited. Not only is he paired together, but now he's got a friend. And Kevin is so disappointed. But they're thinking that the weakness of one will balance out the strength of the other. And maybe that's why Jesus sent them out in pairs. Or I think about the scene from the movie Lord of the Rings when Frodo Baggins is sent to carry the mystical ring to the Mount of Doom. And this ring is so filled with evil magic that it weighs him down. And his faithful friend Sam, who travels with him, says, I cannot carry the burden for you, but I can carry you. And he literally carries his friend Bill, or Frodo, who can no longer carry the burden, so he carries it for him. And maybe that's why Jesus sent the disciples out in uh, pairs, so that we can carry each other's burdens. I think that's definitely part of it. I think mostly Jesus did it because we are called into community with each other. Last week at the Church in the Park, I talked about how we're created in God's image. And part of that is we're created in the image of a Trinitarian God. A God who is in community with God's self. Where Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, where Redeemer, Sustainer are all in community with each other. So we're created to be in community. There's no such thing as a lone wolf Christian. No such thing as a solo Christian. Christianity is a communal faith. So Jesus sent them out two by two. He sent them out so that even as they go into the mission field, they go in community with one another. They go so the strengths of one balances out the weaknesses of each other. They go so that the, when one has burdens too heavy to carry, another could carry it for them. He goes so that they can depend on each other. They can lift each other up. They can sustain each other. But as Christians, we are not just called into community. Thomas O'Meara wrote a book called The Theology of Ministry. And he said, ministry is a horizon within the life of the Christian community. A woman, a man is baptized not into an audience or a club, but into a community which accepting a vision of humanity and a faith in unseen presence is essentially and unavoidably ministerial. Just as a Christian faith is communal, so Christian community is ministerial. 
Churches are clusters of people with a world to serve. So we are called into a community with one another. But the community goes beyond that. It's a community which is deliberately and called to be ministerial. To reach out into the broken world in which we share and share what we have been given. The love and the grace of God as shown through Jesus Christ. And this is something we're called to do, which is why Jesus sends the disciples out. And in Jesus' sending of the disciples, sending of the 70, we learn a lot about how we are to approach ministry. We see that we are all called to ministry. Numbers are very symbolic throughout the scriptures. We know three is Trinitarian. We know 12, the 12 disciples. We know there's the 10 commandments. And 70 is an important number. 70 is a number symbolizing completeness or wholeness. It harkens back to Deuteronomy and the 70 tribes of Gentiles. So when Christ sends out the 70 disciples, he is saying that everybody is sent out into the mission field. Everybody is called to ministry. If we are called to be part of this community of believers, this community of faith, then we are called to ministry. Just coming to church on Sunday is not enough. We must participate in the life of the body of Christ. We must be part of an active ministry, reaching out, sharing God's love and grace in the world. And we all have excuses. I'm too busy. I'm too old. I'm too young. But I've seen people overcome every excuse. When I was an intern in seminary, I started working with a homebound member when we did the memorial service for her daughter. And in talking to her and planning this service, I got to know her, and I found out that she, even though she had not been to church in years, was essential to the functioning of that church. Because she wanted to be part of the body of Christ, so at home she wrote letters upon letters. She'd have the secretary bring her envelopes to address. She did whatever she could to help out in whatever manner she could. I've known four-year-olds that write letters to church members that have cancer, to members who are sick, who go and visit elderly members who are lonely and miss their grandchildren. At four years old, they are engaging in the life of ministry. We are all called, every one of us, When Jesus sends the 70 out, he's saying that ministry does not just fall to him. It does not just fall to the 12, the inner circle, the session, the board members. But it falls to the entire congregation. We are all called to ministry. Just before this passage, scriptures tells us that Jesus has set his face to Jerusalem. He's transitioned in his ministry, facing the crucifixion that awaits him there. He can no longer do the ministry which he's been called to do. He can no longer go and share God's love and grace because he has a greater mission ahead of him. 
So he calls in the disciples and the congregation and the 70 to do it. We also learn that ministry is something that's called to be done outside of the church. Jesus doesn't call the 70 together and say, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a potluck. And we're going to bring a meal. We're going to have a great time. And then we're going to go home and watch the Redskins or the Ravens or whatever we're going to do. He sends them out to neighboring communities, to neighboring towns. He sends them out so that the word will spread across Judea, across Sumeria. Anytime you read the papers today about the mainline church, it's bad news. Numbers are declining. The millennials want nothing to do with organized religion. We have the rise of the nuns, those with no religious affiliation. And there are so many small churches that react to this by locking the doors and sitting in the corner and wringing their hands and worrying about the budget and their declining membership and all sorts of mundane details. And they forget that Jesus calls us to go out in the community. Jesus calls us to pick up our SMA banner and walk throughout our immediate community. Jesus calls us to go to Bowie Fest and set up a tent and share that we love Jesus and come and find out why we love Jesus so that you might love him too. Jesus calls us to take a group down to North Carolina where we can work on lower income houses because Jesus told us that we are to love the poor and oppressed. Jesus calls us to go outside of the church building. At the end of every worship bulletin, after the charge, the benediction, it says service begins. And that's because that's when our service starts. Our service starts when we walk through those front doors or those side doors or wherever we might exit the building. When we go out into the community is when we start to serve Christ. I think the most interesting thing this scripture teaches us is in the second verse, or the first verse, I believe. It says, After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. When we ask what our ministry should look like, should look like Jesus intended his ministry to look like. When we ask who should we minister, we should ask who did Jesus minister to? And we think of the Samaritan woman at the well. We think of the sinners, the prostitutes, the tax collectors. We think of the lepers overlooked by society because they had nothing to contribute as they sat begging on the street. We think of the lame, the blind, those overlooking, looked, those looked down upon, those forgotten. We remember the words of Christ that whatever you do to the least of these, you do unto me. And that is where we take our ministry. When I was in seminary, there was a joke, what is the difference between the Presbyterian and a Methodist? Well, Methodist has a bishop and a centrally located power in one person who oversees a district area where a Presbyterian has a 
their power comes from elders and pastors who gather together. It's not very funny, but then you follow up with what's the difference between a Presbyterian and a Baptist? And it's that a Presbyterian will say hi to you in a liquor store. (laughs) But the joke is that we shouldn't go into liquor stores. We shouldn't go into bars. We shouldn't go where sinners and undesirables are. But that's exactly where Jesus was. Jesus was reaching out to the people that the religious authorities of the day wanted nothing to do with. In fact, they tried to slander Jesus by saying, look at him, he hangs out with prostitutes. He's probably a drunkard. He's probably, you know, because he hangs out at all these parties. He gets, hangs out with all these drunks. He hangs out with these lepers, these sinners, these tax collectors, these prostitutes. What do you think this person is? Tony Campolo, who is a, a world-renowned pastor, talks about when he was on a, uh, speaking at a conference, and he couldn't sleep. So one night, about three in the morning, he went down to this 24-hour diner, and there were a collection of prostitutes and showgirls who'd just gotten off work. And he was talking to them, and like many pastors do, he held what he did close to his vest because he didn't want their way they acted towards him to immediately change. And he struck up a conversation with him, and one of the girls was crying, and she's talking about how alone she felt, and it was her birthday, and nobody knew it. And then he went up to bed thinking about the girls he'd met that night. And the next night he got up, and he went out early, and he went to Walmart and bought all sorts of stuff and went to the diner and set up a birthday party for her. And she came in and he said, happy birthday. I want you to know that you are loved. And she began to weep because someone was throwing her a birthday party. She couldn't remember the last time someone had did that for her. And over the course of the night, she finally got to him. She said, what do you do? What is your profession? She asked in a way that he couldn't avoid it by saying, oh, I work with people or I'm in sales or any of the other vagueness that he used. He said, well... I'm the pastor of a church. And she said, what kind of church throws a birthday party for a prostitute? He said, a church that follows Jesus Christ. Friends, I love Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I hope you have decided to follow Jesus as well because I know you all love Jesus. And as followers of Jesus... The recruitment isn't always easy. Sometimes we do feel like we're sheep sent out to the wolves. But we know that we're sent out in community. That we're sent to minister to others, not just inside this church, but out in the community. And that we're called to share God's love and God's grace and God's mercy with those who need it most. Amen.